Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Come on, are you good? You glad you're in here and not out there? Amen. That's a good place to say amen right there. Uh, well, we have a, uh, a a lot of, we love celebrating the holidays, and so I hope you have made plans next Sunday for our Christmas services, Christmas at Impact. It's going to be an amazing time. Uh, we This one of our favorite, we've said it for the last few weeks, one of our favorite service times of the year. And so we want you to be here next Sunday. We're excited about that. And hey, this coming Saturday, as we love on our community and give away pillows and blankets and socks and toothbrushes and toothpaste and things like that, uh, we want you to come out. You can sign up at the back before you leave today so that we can be prepared for you. Or if you forget to sign up, come on, just show up on Saturday at 10 o'clock and we'll find a place for you to serve and love on some people and be a blessing in our community. Amen. So we have a special treat today. And uh, I said it at the 9.30 service, but you'd have to have been there last night to uh, when we were, we were having a conversation. I said, the intro for you, Doug, is going to be phenomenal. Uh, just, I mean, just off the charts, uh, good. But hey, in all honesty, uh, we so, so appreciate Doug and Jeannie um, Reed and how they pour into us. And one thing I know about Doug is he is busy, 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 but whenever I, uh, whenever I talk to him about being an overseer when we were starting the church, one of the things he told me, he said, I'll always be available. <laughs> I'll always be available to you if you need me. And so text messages, calls, whatever we need, whatever season we're going through or mentoring we need, he's always uh, happy to do that. And we just so, so appreciate you. And I want you to lean in because he has a word from God that I believe is going to stir your heart today. So come on, can you put your hands together and give it up for Doug Reed? Well, good morning, Impact. Merry Christmas. How's everybody doing? So good to see you. Good to see those that are online. Give us some hand clap emojis or something. Let us know that you're there. Uh, It's great to be with you all. Don't you love your pastors? Let's give our pastors a hand today. Appreciate them so much. well, I'm excited about this morning. For, for those of you that don't uh, know us, not only are we uh, a couple of your overseers, our primary responsibility is just be an encouragement to your pastors. Uh, but I also, I speak in conferences and churches around the country and in different parts of the world. And then we leverage all of that influence as a writer, as a speaker. And uh, we take people overseas and do uh, go, go to some of the world's poorest places and do missions projects. How many of you know that Jesus loves everybody? Amen. Wants the whole world to come to know him. And, and so we encourage you, uh, be, be kind of listening. I, I think even, even 2021, we don't know, you know, what the airline situation is going to be like and everything, but we're, we've been trying for a couple of years now to get your church to go to, uh, some of the remote areas of Belize that we go to and build churches. And so we hope that maybe, uh, maybe we'll be able to pull that off in 2021. Well, today I want to talk to you about a very important subject. I want to talk to you about passion. How many of you know that like this season we have been in has been kind of a passion drainer? You know, Jeannie and I, we've flown, I think, five out of the last seven weekends. And I see it everywhere I go that there's just 
apathy, man. There's, there's, uh, we're tired, you know. Uh, people just aren't putting up with much, you know, right now. If you don't believe me, just go drive somewhere, right? I mean, you know, there's no grace on the road uh, right now. And, and there's a lack of passion everywhere. So this morning, I, I believe that it's even come into the church on many levels. And I want, I want you to have a boost in the area of your passion this morning. I, I've entitled the message, The X Factor, and we're going to talk about passion today. You know, passion is an indispensable quality in the life of anybody that's going to lead anybody else. Uh, something I love about your pastors is they are inspired, and, and we know that inspired people, they inspire people. Who, who wants to follow somebody that's not passionate? Now, you might be too young, some of you guys, for this, but back in the day, I used to watch a TV show with a guy, this guy right here, his name is Steve Irwin. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Uh, uh, he, he died a few years ago, but, but, uh, he was known back in the day as the crocodile hunter and and you can still watch his stuff online. And I I don't know about you, but I hate like snakes and, and, and spiders and all that kind of stuff. But this guy, man, he could be talking about a spider or a snake or something. And, and, and you, the only thing he was lacking was like an 800 number for me to send money to support the spider. You know, he was so inspired that he would inspire you. There's just something about passionate people that make you want to follow them. But, but right now as a society, that's become pretty rare. We are passion impaired as a people. The great philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, he said this, he said, this age will not die from sin, but from a lack of passion, there is deadness and apathy everywhere. How many, how many of you see it out in society today? Campolo, he once said this, he said, passion is void in our society. People don't even sin with much enthusiasm anymore. More, you know, back in my high school days, like I wasn't living for God, but I sinned with some enthusiasm, baby. I mean, I mean, we did it with some vigor, and yet you don't really see that today. So we have to get back to what made us great as a nation. Uh, I just moved to Virginia, and it's a really historical area, and so I've been kind of uh, studying some history, and, and and you know the story of like Nathan Hale. He was the great patriot. He was caught behind British lines, and he was promptly hung during the Revolutionary War, but before he cried, before he died, he cried out those immortal words, I, I only regret that I have but one life to give for my nation. Now, what's amazing about that is it wasn't even a nation yet. It was just a concept, an idea an unproven one at that, and yet he was so passionate for his cause. We we could actually say that in the founding battles of our country that it wasn't the best or the most equipped or, or the strongest that won. It was the most passionate that won. And, and so we've got to get back to what made us great as a nation and really what made us great as a church. Uh, when, when you approach the Bible on the subject of passion, there are so many passages that speak to me, but one of the greatest ones is 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. It's actually the first passage I ever memorized as a Christian. And of course, it ta- talks about how that God didn't call the strong, but he called the weak. He didn't call the wise, but the foolish, not the qualified, but the unqualified. I love this in the message Bible. It says, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you were called into this life. I I don't see many of the brightest and best among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't
Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks? I love that. Exploits, abuses. He chose the nobodies. Anybody a part of the nobody club that God chose, amen, uh, to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That makes it quite clear that none of us can get by with blowing our own horn before God. In other words, God gets all the glory. Now, if this is true, and we know it is, it is the inspired word of God, that God doesn't choose the strong, but the weak, not the qualified, but the unqualified. God chooses the nobodies, the one the culture overlooks. Then then I believe that there is a deep formula of success, an X factor, if you will, at work in the kingdom of God. The church itself is filled with people who have greatness beyond their potential beyond what it should be. There is something at work beneath the surface. The X factor, the unseen force in the kingdom of God, uh, the invisible quality uh, behind anyone great in the kingdom is passion. Now, if you came to church today and maybe maybe you know you're kind of on the edge or you don't really believe in this Jesus thing or you're watching online can i tell you it's true for you as well anything great in this life this is just a principle that god put in the earth it requires passion be it art or drama or music or writing or or or, or church or business or whatever it all requires passion anybody that's going to do anything that's going to accomplish much they're going to need passion. Did you know that nearly 50% of Fortune 500 company CEOs had a C or C minus average in college? And in fact, the wealthiest people in our land are not always the brightest or the most educated. There is something at work beneath the surface. Even 75% of all U.S. presidents graduated in the bottom half of their class. There's an X factor, an unseen quality that makes somebody great. Passion is really what makes the impossible possible. If forced to choose, if I was hiring somebody, I would hire passion over talent any day of the week. Now, I would love to have both, but if I had to choose, I would choose passion. There's just that invisible quality that you need if you're going to be great in this life. Passion is what gives you a reason to get out of bed in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to do something with my life today. It makes life uh, 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 something better than routine and dull. It, it mobilizes armies and it turns soldiers into warriors. God created you with the capacity to be a passionate person all of the time. Passion can transform an ordinary person into an extraordinary person. You have to have passion. I, I, when I was writing this, I, I came across a story of a man named Eric Little, and you probably know his story without realizing it. He was immortalized back in 1981 in a wonderful movie called Chariots of Fire, and it's actually very historically accurate. Uh, Eric was born in 1902, and his parents were missionaries to China, and he ultimately would go to China himself and give his life on the mission field, but before he did, he would become known as the Flying Scott by winning several gold medals in the 1924 Olympics. He is known as one of the world's greatest 
runners to ever live. Now, if you've watched the movie or if you read a book or something about it, you know that he had a fierce rival. His name was Harold Abrams. And, and Abrams technically is one of the greatest runners to ever live. I say technically because Abrams was a technical runner. They say that track coaches still show footage of this guy because he ran with a technical perfection using the smallest amount of movement. He, he had just an incredible professional style. Now, Little, in contrast, his style was almost comical to watch. He ran with his, uh, he ran with a wild abandonment, with his head tilted back, with his back straight up, with his arms flailing to the side, his mouth wide open. It was, it was as if his body could barely keep up with the joyful passion that was inside of him. Eric didn't run for drive or talent or achievement. He ran for the pleasure of the one who made him run fast to begin with. You see, God has rigged life, hasn't he? It's not just the fact that you're in the game that matters. It's how you play the game that really makes a difference. And let's get real for just a minute. Aren't you tired of like technical runners in the church? I, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys haven't, but I meet them all the time. People that know everything about everything, they've got an opinion for sure, but they're not passionate about anything. God has called us to be passionate people. Talent can only take you so far. The X factor is passion. Now, this is so basic. Jesus wants you to be passionate. Everybody say that with me. Jesus wants me to be passionate. In fact, I'll prove it to you from the Bible. One, one day a man walked up to Jesus and he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, can you tell me like what is the most important thing in all of the Bible? And of course, Jesus quoted a verse to him and he said, the most important thing is this. It is to love the Lord your God. Anybody know it? With all of your what? With all of your heart, with all your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. In fact, Jesus said, this sums up the entire Bible. If you get this, you've got it. See, see what he was saying is that God only accepts passion. God wants you to love him passionately. The Message Bible says it like this. Love the Lord your God with all your passion. Everybody say passion. Prayer, intelligence, and energy. The Greek word for passion means heart. Now, now what is the heart? Well, well, the heart's not the mind. The heart's not the soul. It's not the spirit. Those things work together, but it's not that. No, no, the heart, the heart is the center of your emotional being. So what is God saying? God is saying, I want you to put some heart, some emotion into the way you love me. Now, now, I think sometimes when I'm talking about this, people say, well, 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 Pastor Doug, it's a personality thing. You don't understand. I'm not really built like that. But I can tell you the truth from my own life. I, I'm a more reserved uh, kind of person, but I love God with passion. Why? Because passion will change not only you, but it will change everybody around you. Uh, this, this revolutionized my prayer life a few years ago. Uh, I, well, well, more than a few years ago when I was in college. Uh, I, I read a verse, Hebrews 3.13, and it says that when Jesus was on earth, he prayed with loud cries and with tears, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Uh, up until that point, my prayer life was all quiet and reserved and stuff like that, and it still is sometimes. 
But I began to pray with a passion. I began to put my heart into it, to pray with even loud cries and with tears. I wanted to pray like Jesus. And you know what I discovered? God changed me. God started answering my prayers. There's something about passion. God has called us all to it. Jesus wants you to live a passionate life. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. I have this taped on my desk at home. It says, never be lacking in zeal and passion, but keep your spiritual fervor, your passion, serving the Lord. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. See, see like my, my scale of 1 to 10 on serving God, my zero is passion. It starts there, amen? Your, your, your basement level of serving God ought not to be like, oh, I, I wanna, sometimes I'm real excited like when I get back from the retreat. No, no, no. My zero is passion. That's the starting point. God wants you to serve him with great passion. Now, this is such an issue in our world today. Uh, there, there's really two extremes we're experiencing as a culture. We're experiencing people that have passion about unworthy things, and then we're experiencing, and one actually causes the other, we're experiencing people that have passion about nothing. Now, let, let's just start with unworthy things. Everybody has to decide what is worthy of their passion. Uh, David prayed in, in Psalms 119, he said, God, keep my eyes away from worthless things. Romans 121 talks about dishonorable passions. Do you know you can be passionate about the wrong thing? And, and, and because of that, you can waste your life even though you're living a passionate life. If you were to go on Amazon today, you can find uh, all kinds of books about passion. There's a passion about gardening, about pencils and paper, about birds, about chocolate. I mean, you totally get that one, yeah? You know, uh, about hunting, golf, uh, 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 a passion. there's a book, A Passion for Mushrooms. I think they're smoking them. That's why they're so passionate, you know? I saw one, this is how my mind works. I, I saw one, a passion for fingernails. That's either a nail salon or a serial killer, one of the two. It's just no in between on that. And we can keep going. My, my wife wrote a book called A Passion for Shoes and Purses. Nobody ever laughs when I do that joke, but she's, she's right there. I'm just kidding. I've tried it like four times. I never get a laugh on it. What am I talking about? See, everybody needs to decide. Here's your key question. What is worthy of my deep devotion and my dedicated emotion? Like, like I am a, I'm a football fan. I, I love the NFL. I love football. But, but I can tell you, it gets my interest, but it doesn't get my deep devotion and my dedicated emotion. I, I brought a couple of pictures with me this morning. You see this guy right here? Dude, that is deep devotion right there. there let's go to the next one. Right, right there, the next one. There you go. That's passion right there. It's like he's on the team, man. They must be paying him, you know, to have that level of passion. You know what happens? When you give your deep devotion and your dedicated emotion to causes that are not worthy of your passion, listen, you end up with a soul level dissatisfaction. In other words, you end up with so much dissatisfaction, and this is where we're at as a culture, that you decide you'll never give your heart to anything else. And you know what psychologists call this? Psychologists call this impact bias. 
Where, where like when you're buying a new car, you know what I'm talking about? You're in the lot and you're looking at them and you're like, man, if I get that, it's going to be like a 10. It's going to be like the greatest experience ever. And then you get the first payment and it's like a four and it gets the first scratch and it's like a two. In other words, it doesn't feed you on the level that you thought it would. This can happen with any experience in life. In fact, you're watching online or you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Doug, I've had great accomplishment. Man, I, I, I've done so many things. I've had so many experiences. Well, I've got a question for you. Has it fed you at the soul level? Because if not, you can keep trying, but you're going to end up with soul level dissatisfaction. When, when I was pastoring, I would have people come to me for counseling. And I, I'll just be honest with you, I'm not the greatest counselor. I, I have three counseling sessions. It's called admit it, quit it, and forget it. You know, and after that, I just double my prices and start repeating myself. You know, it's great. Uh, but I, I, people would come to me, you know, so I remember this married couple. They, they came to me, and their marriage was on the rocks. And, you know, I'm going to meet with Pastor Doug, and he's going to fix it and whatever, you know. And they're in my office, and I'm trying to give them advice. And finally, I, I don't know why, but they, they wanted to tell me, I, and I don't want to go too far with this, but they wanted to tell me their, their sexual history. And I, I just tell you, I, they, I, I had to like stuff, you know, wet wipes in my ears. It was crazy. They wouldn't shut up. I mean, they had invited other people in their bed. I, I think at one point aliens were involved. I mean, it was, it was crazy. You name it, you name it, they did it. And I'll never forget after like 25 minutes of hearing all this stuff, they in unison turned to one another. And like it was on cue, they basically said, I've never hated you more than I hate you right now. You know why? Because they were fed a lie. They were told that the ultimate sex could bring the ultimate satisfaction, but it did not feed them on the soul level. You know, God talks about this in the scripture. I, I, I love uh, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 2. It says, why do you feed, uh, why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your earnings on that which does not satisfy? Listen to me. This is the heart of God. And eat what is good. Let your soul delight in abundance. This is where we're at, isn't it? See, see, we've reached like a passionless pinnacle in our society today. And there's this quiet, deep, desperate despair, this void that people have. And they're looking for genuine passion, and they're drawn to it like a moth to a flame. This is why we need passionate people to carry the gospel, the food that will feed your soul, amen? And we've got to carry it in the right way. Jeannie Mayo once said, she said, people are instructed by reason, but they are inspired by passion. Now listen, I am an instructor, man. I, I, I write books, I preach sermons, I'm always communicating. But I, I, I feel like right now where we're at as a culture, it's like people are weary of words. They, they, they want to see genuine, authentic passion. See, see passion is more than what makes your faith believable to other people. It's what makes it desirable to other people. I, I want to live in such a way that people are drawn, to, even if they disagree, they're, they're saying, man, there's something about him that attracts, I, I want there to be an attraction about my faith. I, I can no more imagine a passionless faith than I can imagine a passionless Jesus. You're, you're called to be, faithful. Amen. You're called to be passionate. Did you know that Jesus is just as passionate for you as the day he died for you? 
Hey, you ever been around somebody when they're first in love? You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, anybody like that? Like our, our, our my son and daughter-in-law, they lived with us. Like when they first got married, I just got to tell you, it was just disgusting. It was gross. You know, you know, it just. I, I love being around people when they're first in love, because there's actually been studies on this that when you're when you're really like in that first stage of love, that the same endorphins are firing in your brain as if you took drugs. So, so, so literally like people for something, they're on, they're on drugs. So, so I, I like to ask them questions because they give the biggest, the best answers. And I, I remember a couple years ago, I was speaking at UCLA. They have a big uh, Christian college group there. And, and, and I, I, and it's right in the middle of Brentwood, Los Angeles, most expensive zip code in the country. Cost you about $140,000 to go to UCLA for a year. Uh, a two bedroom home will run you about $3 million. Incredible place. Well, anyway, there's this beautiful, like, supermodel-looking couple in the front row, and I could tell they were really in love. And so I walked up, and I said, hey, Pastor Doug, I'm speaking tonight. And I said, I said, are you guys together or whatever? And the girl, she held up her ring, her engagement ring, like it had superpowers. You know what I'm saying? And she, she kind of giggled. You know, I could tell they were, they were really in love. And I said, so you guys can get married? She said, yeah. And I, I offered to marry him right there. I said, I'm a pastor. I can, I can take care of this. And they, they wouldn't agree to my $10,000 fee, but, but uh, we, we didn't do it. Anyway, the, the – uh, uh, I started asking them questions, and I said, "Okay, you guys are in love. You're getting married." I said, "I said, are you both at UCLA? Very expensive school." And they smiled and said, "Well, we have some student loans." And I said, "Well, where are you going to live?" You know, I asked them about ten practical questions, and I said, "Where are you going to live? Like, you know, very expensive to live here." And, and, and the girl, she was getting frustrated. I mean, you know that 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 people that are first in love, they don't like practicality, you know. And so finally she held up her ring and she was like, Pastor Doug, love is all we need. It will see us through. And I was like, well, you know, you're going to be in love in your box, you know, on the street. It's going to be amazing. But they were so in love, right? They wouldn't take no for an answer. I love being around somebody when they first get saved. Why? Because everything is possible. Some of you might got saved when you're a little kid and you don't remember this. I got saved when I was 16. And, and here's the deal. Like, back then, I could fit everything I own in the back of my car. We just moved to Virginia. It didn't take one truck. It took two trucks. You, you know what happens? We get saved and we're so passionately in love with Jesus. I'll do anything for him. And then what? It's really not what happens. It's what doesn't happen. Like we get a get a job and we get kids and cars and bills and we get hurt, right? Somebody maybe somebody in the church hurts you, and, and it's like that passion that was way up here over time. It's like right here, and, and it's not like you're not going to heaven. That's that's still happening. You're just not passionate about it anymore. Okay, I tell you, I really believe, and I I don't know. It's been a long year. We've flown a lot since we moved and. I, I, we love you guys. We would have came and visited, but I didn't even feel like coming on this trip. But I really believe that God God brought me here this weekend, even more than what I did last night. God, God brought me here this weekend to tell you that this right here, that's not okay with God. This right here, COVID doesn't give you an excuse. 2020, did you know that God loves you just as much in 2020 as he loved you in 2019? Amen. I mean, you know, he is just as passionate for you now as he's ever been. And it's time that the church raises their passionate potential. I, I, I think what happens is we start thinking, well, 
we, we, what we do is we, we wrongly judge other people because we think we know their story. Well, oh, Pastor Doug, of course you're passionate. I mean, look at the travel you get to do and the other stuff. I mean, I mean you don't understand my life. Well, first off, don't judge anybody's life until you've lived that life. Secondly, did you know that anything you do repeatedly loses its glamour? I mean, I mean, we, we're flying home tonight, but I can tell you, if I never fly on another plane, stay in another hotel, I am, I'm happy. I'm good, you know. We've done it so much. No, no, no. I understand what you're saying, though. Because some of us, we're like, it might take us a while, maybe a few years of obeying God before what we're called to do, what we're passionate about, and the life we get to live, it does this. But I haven't always gotten to live this life. Everybody that's ever served God has gone through dark seasons where they don't get to do what they're called to do. You understand that? But the good news is this. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, I call this the passion principle. It says, whatever you do, everybody say whatever you do, work at it with all of your what? Your heart. We already know that heart means passion. As working for the Lord, not as human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ who you are serving. So the good news is that everybody is doing something. So whatever you're doing, you can do it for the Lord. Maybe you're caught in the in-between of your dream right now. And you say, Pastor Doug, you don't understand, man. I'm flipping burgers. Well, I'm having a burger today, so I need it done with some passion. What do I mean? I'll be able to tell. <laughs> I don't know if we're having I hope we are, but I don't know if we are. And, and, and what am I trying? See, Joseph was given a dream when he was 17. But he goes into slavery. He goes into the prison. He's actually about 46 before the dream comes true. But everywhere he goes, everywhere he goes, he becomes in charge of Potiphar's house. He becomes in charge of the prison. He's passionate in the in-between. You know what I think it is? God sometimes will test your passion before he lets you fulfill your potential. Well, well, what do you mean? I mean, mean, when I get on stage, you're not going to believe it. No, 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 you don't belong on stage. Until you can be passionate when nobody knows who you are or what you get what I'm saying? Be passionate in the in-between because your father's watching. So passion's charge is whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do it for Jesus. Now, there's a danger inherent in a message like this. Talk like this can be very motivational, and but passion and motivation are different. See, motivation is an outward force Passion is an inward force. Motivation is circumstantial, but passion, that's spiritual. Pastor Doug, I'm ready to take the world now after I hear this. No, no, no. That's motivation. What you need is the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. I quote this to my tired missions teams, if you remember. Right at the point when my missions teams are the most tired, I pull out Romans 12, 11. And it says this, it says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can also give strength to your what? Your mortal bodies. In other words, what God is saying is that your spirituality can affect your physicality. It can affect every part of your body. Amen? So so the way to increase your passion is to have an increased focus on your spiritual life. So where are you at this morning? Where are you at this morning? I, I, uh, I think where we're at as a church right now 
is that so many of us, what, we, what we've got to get back to is we've got to get back to realizing that, that you're just a branch and Jesus is the vine. And even, even, even after first service, I was in the back just going like, this is the last time I'll preach until the weekend after Christmas. And, and I just was like, God, just, just, just one more time. Just stir me up one more time. I, I can't do I, I'm just the branch. You understand what I mean? It, it's time to get connected uh, back into the vine. So where are you at today? We, we as a culture, we have kind of decided something here recently. Recently, as a culture, we have been told that safety, <laughs> safety is the ultimate value right now. Now, I, I don't want you to get me wrong. Jeannie and I, we had COVID a couple months ago, and we were not asymptomatic. I mean, we went through it. And I, I very much can see how if it gets in your lungs, it could kill you. And, and we, were, we were close to that. And... Uh, I know people, not just older people, but younger people that have died. One of our very good friends right now is in the hospital with COVID. And so it's serious. I get it. I, I got my own opinions on a couple of things, but I agree with a lot of what we're doing as a culture. Don't get me wrong. I believe in safety. But my ultimate value is not safety. God has not called me to live a safe life. God has called me to live a dangerous life. I hear people say, well, Pastor Doug, the safest place to ever be is the will of God. Well, tell that to the martyrs. That's not been my experience. My experience is the will of God has taken me to some of the world's dangerous places. But I've not been called to safety. I've been called to obedience. I, I just, you know, I, Gabe didn't tell me to say this or anything, but I just feel... I don't know. I just feel like I should say it. Like, like, like if you, you have underlying issues and you need to stay home, by the way, I'm one of those people, but I can't do it. I, I, I'm, I'm cold. I have to do, I have to live my life. But if you have, you have some reason, my mom and dad, they're in their eighties and they have been isolated and they should be. But there are some of you that are watching right now that you just need to get back to obedience. You just need to, you know, you just need to get back. I mean, be cautious, all that stuff. They take all the precautions here. But you just need to get back to obedience. It's time that we don't place safety above our passion. My goal in life is not to have 10 more years on this rock. My goal in life is to obey God at the highest level. Amen? One of my favorite quotes is from a guy named Jack London. He said this. He said, I would rather be ashes than dust. I would rather that the spark of my life should burn in a brilliant blaze than to be stifled by dry rot. I would rather be a superb meteor than a sleepy planet. The proper function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. How about you today? Come on, I want you to stand to your feet all throughout the church. If you're watching online, give us some thumbs up or something. Let us know that you're there. Uh, I, I'll just do the altar call real quick. And again, if you're watching online, give us some kind of emoji or something. Let us know that you're responding. But how, how many of you would just say today, right now, this is, this is kind of the altar call, uh, heads up, eyes open. Uh, and we just say, say, hey, Pastor Doug, when it comes to passion, like I've kind of become a little bit like this, I need God to raise my passion. I, 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 I just need to get my, come on, raise your hand if that's you. I, I just need to raise my passion. I, I need to get it back. 
uh, we're, we're going to pray in just a minute, just a quick prayer of repentance and asking the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, to just increase our passion in our mortal bodies again. Amen. I pray that you, I pray that you come out of 2020 passionate. That you enter into 2021 passionate. We don't know what's going to happen, but, but I pray that you're passionate about it no matter what. Amen. I, I don't, there's so, I, I, this keeps coming back to me. Gabe, I haven't said it all day, but I, somebody, I don't even know who said it. And they said this, they, they, said, they said they thought they could bury us, but they forgot that we are seeds. Anybody ever heard that quote? I, I think that's kind of where we're at right now. It's like, you don't experience it in Texas as much, but what if you're doing church in California today? It's like, like they think they can bury us, but they forget. When you bury me, you can't bury my passion. Amen? You forget I'm a seed. God, you get what I'm saying? So maybe you feel buried right now, but in, the, in that silence, in that quietness, I, I don't explode on stage. I'm passionate like this in my prayer time. You get it? My private life, I'm passionate. And that just comes out in my public life. Now, now there's something about gifting. And I am compassionate. For those of you that, that, that you're saying, Pastor, I, I'm not this right now. I have a career that I hate, and yet I love Jesus, and I, and I would love to, like, do what I'm called to do. I get that. You, you, know, you know, like, like I'm not called to that guitar right there because I, I barely even know it's called a guitar. I think, it's, I think that's what you call it. It, it, it. It's just I don't know how to play it. I'm not very good at that. I'm not gifted at that. But I am gifted at what I'm doing right now. And, and, and people that know me, they know I have more of a quiet personality. I'm more of a processor. And, and sometimes if they've never heard me preach before, they'll be like, whoa, what happened? It's like, you're, you know, one author called it the glory of a soul fully alive. It's like when you're calling and you're gifting, meet your passion and you get to do them both. But can I tell you a secret? I didn't always get to do it. I had my prison. I had my palace. I had times when I was begging God to let me do what I was called to do. And I was passionate when nobody knew my name. You get it? So will you be faithful in this moment? Will you be faithful in this moment? And I believe that if you are, that God one day is going to bring them together. And your soul can be fully alive. It's wonderful to wake up and do what you're called to do. But be faithful no matter what. Amen? You're out there and you're watching online or you're here and just say, man, I'm that person that's had a whole bunch of soul level experiences that just didn't feed me. I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I, I never know who I'm talking to, especially with the way we're doing online stuff. So maybe you're out there and you're questioning everything I'm saying. You're like, we're, we're sort of, I always imagine somebody kind of having an argument with me as I'm talking. And so if you're one of those people, I just, I just got one, one statement, one statement. I, I'm not trying to win the argument. I just have one statement. And that is this. Has what you're doing in life has it fed you on the soul level now come on be honest all those experiences all the have you yet been fed in your soul or is your soul still wanting if you find yourself at a place where you say man my life is not feeding me on the soul level well according to jesus he said here's what you got to do you got to come and taste and see that the lord is good you got to come have some living water that if you drink it, you'll never be thirsty again. You got to stop spending your money on things that are not bread and come and taste of the Lord. 
that begins at salvation. That begins at the foot of the cross and reliance with Jesus. So if that's you, and again, you're watching online, give us some heart emojis that you're going to pray this prayer. And let's all pray a prayer together. Come on, let's pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, I, I believe you died on a cross. You were so passionate for me that you laid your life down for me. So today I give you my life. I make no excuse for my sin, but I give you my heart. God, forgive me for the lack of passion in my life and raise my passion, raise my potential as I serve and follow you with passion. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Come on, give God a hand clap today. Isn't he good? Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, if you're, uh, if you're out there and you're watching online and you want to check out our ministry a little more, are you, li- are you haven't had a chance to get a copy of my new book? I-, I-, I forgot to mention this in the first service, but my website is DougKReed.com. Uh, just my name, DougKReed.com. And right now we actually have a Christmas special going on. You can buy one book, get another one free. And also, uh, if you ever can't afford one, just email us or, or see me at the table if you're here live, and we'd love to give you one. But if you haven't had a chance to pick up my book, if you buy one, we give you one to give away. So anyway, we love you guys. Thanks for letting me be here. Aren't you glad you came to church? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Amen. Come on, come on.